This is Danny and Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Streaming nationwide on the 710 Sports app and 710sports.com. Now here are your hosts, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. Try to put on the show. Seasons change. That's what I thought we were headed for on Saturday night. I thought it was going to be this pivotal moment of this handoff of interest. And for the Seattle sports fan of shifting fully from baseball to football. And there's a bit of gallows humor that's developed in Seattle over 20 years between playoffs appearances. Like there is. Gallows humor. Yeah. Look, I'm very familiar with it. I worked in a newspaper newsroom, which black humor is something that is brokered in quite a bit. And it's just get us to football season. And and it kind of became this coping strategy for being a Mariners fan over that time. And it's it's not entirely accurate because there's a lot of years. Well, not a lot. There are some years yeah, where the Mariners have stayed, have stayed relevant. Look, I was in the crowd in 2014 when they're still alive going into the final day. And they, they need a win. Felix is on the mound. They're playing the Angels who are already in the playoffs. They, they need the Rangers to beat the A's and they need to win. And then they'll have a one-game playoff. There's a couple years later, they went to the second to last night in that 2016 year. And I'll always think back to Felix's start in Toronto that year as being one of the moments where, man, you really had a chance to get in there. There are they have made it relevant. And it's not like the last 20 years have been a wash. But there have been enough years where you're like, dude, just get us to August. Just get us to mid-August and and occupy. Give us a a fleeting sense of hope up until mid-August. And I thought. On Saturday night, there was kind of a, okay, the page is turning. All right, Mariners are down 3-2 to two against the Toronto Blue Jays. The preseason game is entering its second half. I don't know if I got the stomach to be able to watch the end of this Mariners game. I don't know if I'm going to keep toggling back and forth because the offense, which has stunk for two weeks, is continuing to stink. And I don't want to watch a game where they jump out to a lead and end up losing because all they get is a two-run homer by Ty France. And then what happens in the seventh inning? Back-to-back jacks. Luis Torrens, Jared Kelnick. What happens in the eighth inning? Another three runs that are added on. The Mariners end up coming back, and it was like, we're not ready to we're not ready to leave yet. The timing was impeccable if you were to watch both games on one TV. I have a two-TV setup in my apartment, Flex, and I found myself struggling to pay attention to the Seahawks preseason game. I sort of felt like I was in a clockwork orange and needed to have somebody holding my eyelids open, focusing on the very end of that game. And then all of a sudden, I see at the top, I see the Mariners starting to rally, and I thought, you know, they've 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 pulled me back in interest wise. On Friday, I had no desire to watch the Mariners, none. Didn't want to watch them. I was like, yeah, man, I'm I'm just not feeling it going into this series against Toronto. They are not scoring enough runs, and Toronto is so good offensively. But then all of a sudden, the way that that game ended and the way that Saturday ended, yeah, I'm back in. <laughs> I'm back in on the ride, and obviously, I doubt that it goes to the playoffs but it's been fun and that you're still engaged at this point in the year I I hope that this is something that can be carried forward by these players next year absolutely should be it absolutely should be and not only that it should be carried forward up the chains through all the way up for, through the manager through the front office to the ownership to feel that you've got a group that is really resilient here right like that's one of the things that should come out. This season sort of has been written off on several different occasions. Most recently being the trade of Kendall Graveman, being a sign that the 
team wasn't going to add. And in fact, that initial reaction being that they subtracted. Right. This team then went on a stretch where after that, what they lost, they went four and nine. They they lost nine of 13 games. They were all really close. A couple of them were the bullpen giving up leads late. And the feeling of, hey, even though Abraham Toro, the guy that they got in the deal for Graveman, has been one of the only Mariners that's hit, they messed with the mojo. Like, they disrupted the chemistry. And you see how other teams that made additions, like flat-out ads, whether it was the A's picking up Starling Marte, who's been awesome. He's probably been the only bat that's been better than Toro. Out of all those guys that moved at the deadline, was Javi Baez to the Mets, Gallo and Rizzo to the Yankees— Marte has been the best, and the number two dude has been has been Abraham Toro. But those other teams that made those flat out ads really really picked up speed. And the Red Sox, who didn't really, who kind of sat that out, they they kind of went on a skid like the Mariners. And this win in the final two games of the of the Texas Rangers series, and then win in the first two, win in four in a row, and four of their last five now showed that this team isn't done. Nope, and I'm curious as to how. They respond to a nice series victory over a good team with a road series starting tomorrow against a team that they should beat, but they've had issues with yeah. Texas. It's annoying. I mean, Texas and Detroit this year have been, I think, the two teams that you probably look back at games against and you're going to be thinking to yourself, is this the difference? Was this the difference? These gimme games, at least one or two in each of those series, especially where you got, I think you got swept by Detroit, right? Where you got to look back and wonder, okay, what happened here? Why weren't we able to get this one? The answer to that is pretty simple. It's you're a young team that's pretty inconsistent. You're specifically, you're a young team whose offense is really inconsistent. Yeah. You've overcome some injuries on the starting pitching. Really more injuries than you could have anticipated. When you look at, there were three guys that were lost in the first month of the season that were among the top eight or nine starters in your system. James Paxton, Margavichus, and then LJ Newsom, right? Like all three of those, those are three of the top eight or nine starters, and they're gone from the beginning. Right now, you're without Justin Dunn and Justice Sheffield. And by the way, Sheffield's had a rehab start in Tacoma that was not encouraging. Um, it was location primarily. I think he walked five dudes, but that that did not seem to be someone who is who is, hey, he's all tuned up and ready to come back. You've been in, in, an inconsistent offense. This season's been encouraging. There's still the chance that it can be incredible. If they make the playoffs this year, that's an incredible. That's an incredible leap. This is a team that a lot of people thought was going to win 75 games. Yeah, I that, that was that was an honest opinion from people that aren't like noted Mariner haters. I picked 74, and every single moment that they have kept you engaged this year, it's been striking. They they are a likable team, and as a texter put up 710 710, given how exhausting the Seahawks offseason has been. To have the Mariners playing the way that they are, they've been more likable to root for for this texter at the very least. I don't know if that's something that's going to hold true to the majority of people out there, but that is interesting to read, just given how tiresome at times this Seahawks offseason has been. It's contract after contract after uh, situation of unhappiness with player after player. This Mariners team is really fun to watch, and I I completely agree with that. And I've had a lot of appreciation for different Mariners. The young players on this team are really fun. Like, yeah. the young players on this team, J.P. Crawford is a really fun player to watch play. Kelnick, I love the edge he's got. 
I, I really do. I, I enjoy it. And I think that he's the kind of player that would drive you nuts if he's on another team. The opposite field homer that he had in the seventh inning on Saturday night is the kind of power that no 22-year-old rookie should have. Like, it was jarring how hard he hit that ball to the opposite field. It's a fun team to watch. It's a fun team to root for. No matter where it goes from here, this season has been encouraging. If you're going to take the the big picture, 35,000-foot view of where things are, the big picture view is they've been incredible, and if if the season started with where are they on the rebuilding program, how much did the last year's lack of a minor league season set them back, the answer to that should be is this is a team that should start next year with the expectation they're going to compete for a playoff spot. They should be in position to add. The incredible is still on the table. Like the incredible, it would be an incredible comeback for them to make the playoffs at this point. It would be an incredible, incredible thing for them to do. That's still on the table. I'm not going to say it's likely. I think it's a much better than 1.6% shot that baseball reference is currently giving it, though. I'm curious as to what the percentage shot was. And I don't know if baseball reference was doing this back in 1995. Totally different team, of course, with some real superstar players that were already there. But that was a absurd absurd chase that the Mariners were able to pull off to make it into the playoffs. There you had the convergence of two things. And you're right. The lineup was stacked and Griffey was coming back from an injury. So that that part played into it. You were also chasing one team. So you had the combination of an incredible surge and a jarring collapse. This one won't be the same, right? Yeah, you need to have a couple of teams fall on their you're gonna faces. You're going to need to outkick. You're going to need to outkick. They were way more than five and a half games behind the Angels at this point of that season. Like, they were way more. And it was, man, the 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 Angels that year completely ran out of gas while the Mariners, basically on that final lap, it was caught up to them. And you're yeah. like, are they going to have enough time? Are they going to have enough time? This is, you're a couple steps back from the main group and all of those runners have faster times than you in their, in their history, in their pedigree. You were not considered a medal contender and you're a couple strides back right now. But it's kind of like you're the you're the young one that they're not quite sure. Like you've got a you've got a puncher's chance. Like you, if you outkick, you're gonna have to outkick three of them. Like you're gonna have to outkick three of them, and you're gonna have to catch them. But if you do that, you, you've got it. This is not a this is not a a, a, a prayer. That you just have to play great baseball the rest of the season. You have to play great baseball. I don't know why this is reminding me of you know, one of the few Olympic events I watched this year, and this is going way back. Two, three weekends ago, I think it was the 3,000-meter hurdles for uh, the women. And everyone in this race is essentially, I would say, five foot eight plus, except for this one runner who was five foot nothing from Germany. And yet, for, I would say, a good three-fourths of this, she was actually leading or very close to the lead. The problem was whenever she got to the hurdle, she slowed down significantly while everybody else was moving along quickly. And that's sort of where I feel like they're at, where I think they can hang around despite not having the same kind of, I would just say, honest athleticness as everybody else that was running around her. I'm cool with that. Next year, I wouldn't be. But right now, I, I, like, I, am, I am willing to, and this is weird to say, cause, but this is natural. September rolls around. Generally, I would say the sports interest in this city shifts, but it's mainly because of the way that the Mariners are playing. I, I feel like they've earned attention the rest of the way, assuming there's agree. no catastrophic collapse. I, I completely agree. Like, and that was that's kind of what made Saturday's game. And 
I, I noted it. Like when I woke up in the morning and what I was looking forward to yesterday was was watching the Mariners game and was was seeing it. And I was going to watch the Seahawks game again to to take some notes and those sort of things. But what I was most interested in was watching the Mariners play. And what I find myself thinking about this week is, OK, they've got an off day today and then they're going to go to Texas. And if they win two out of their three games, if they win two out of three games and the remainder over the remainder, I think they're going to make the playoffs. And while I don't think that's likely. I don't think that's beyond the pale of possibility either. And they've they've played enough to capture my imagination and to for me to sit and yeah. on the edge of my seat waiting and say, hey, can they pull off something incredible here? Because right now the A's the A's are coming off a stretch in which they've played way better than than you could have anticipated. And some of that was sparked by the Marte trade. Like they they're playing the Mariners have kind of rebounded after appearing to crater. Like the going four and nine in a stretch and yeah, they won four of their last five, but they're not this isn't taking them at they've reeled off ten wins in twelve games and they're five and a half games back of it. I, I'll go so far. I think if they pass Oakland, I think if they pass Oakland, they're gonna end up in the playoffs. Yeah. One way I think if they pass Oakland, they're gonna end up in the playoffs. There's enough of those ALH teams that are gonna have to play each other and beat up on each other. If I, I know there's there's five teams for two spots. If they end up passing Oakland, I think they're in. If that's the one team you're chasing, then maybe you can turn this into a replay of the Toronto side, side of things. That injury to George Springer, I think, is going to be big for Toronto. And I, I, I would say, as far as Oakland goes, they are great in August, it seems like, every single year. And I know Texas slowed them down a little bit recently. You could definitely see Oakland fall apart in, in September. I, I don't think that's a particularly talented squad. I don't. I, I know that they've been good over the last couple of years, but I feel like there's a giant discrepancy between them and Houston. So I think it's possible, but I would still say like 5 to 6% or something. It is Danny and Gallant. It's time for us to go around the NFL. It's time to go around the NFL. The bottom line on the biggest stories in the NFL every morning at 9.15 with Danny and Gallant. I don't want to hear, but I do want to hear that Trey Lance touchdown basketball again. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, I think one of our texters called it cringeworthy. Um, I don't know if I like it or hate it. I mean, I might hate it so much that I like it ironically, which means that eventually I will actually like it because it's something that, I don't know, I I like to annoy people from the Bay Area by calling San Francisco San Fran. They really don't like that. I found this out while walking the streets of San Francisco. Um, Yeah. So, uh, I, I, Trey Area. Well, here it is. They're going to boot the quarterback left. Here he goes, deep downfield. Trencher Field's got it. Trey Aria. So his first throw's incomplete on a drop. The second one's a touchdown. House call. Even adds the woo. (laughs) So that's when he's been saving up, right? Yeah. Like he's got like I got this in my back pocket. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna wait to unleash this. It's like Jim Nance, the time where uh, there were two dog teams playing in the NCAA finals. I think it was UConn versus uh, uh, Butler. UConn is best in show. It was just like something that you know had been waiting for a really long time, and it's so schmaltzy. But this is also just not good because you need to ex- you need to explain it to everybody. I also, whenever I hear Greg Popple, I just assume that I'm going to hear touchdown Raiders afterwards. It's weird to hear him not on the Raiders call. 
I feel bad. I don't want to rip on Greg Papa. I don't either. I, I, feel, I, I feel bad for him, but he's not doing the Raiders anymore. It's Trey weird. area. Trey area That's good. lame. Not good. Lame. Not good. All right. Well, the NFL Top 100 list debuted last night with numbers 41 through 100 being revealed. KJ Wright came in at 67. Tyler Lockett was 76. And Quandre Diggs followed him at 77. Believe it or not, it's the first time making the list for both Wright and Diggs. The funny part about this has got to be that Tyler Lockett and Quandre Diggs, who are best friends, are 76 and 77 on the list. And you know that there must be some merciless trash talking going on behind the scenes. Because those two are exceptionally competitive with each other going back to their days at Texas and Kansas State. You should watch some of the games that they've had between each other. I remember talking to them both. They've talked about how they were chirping at each other a little bit in the game. And now it's weird. I mean, teammates and best friends. At what point do we give John Schneider a gold star for the acquisition of Quandre Diggs? (laughs) Seriously. I think we give him another gold star. Uh, And I I hope that they get an extension done for him. Because I think that... He really fits that mold of what they were looking for as they far as his what? center fielder safety. A fifth-round pick. Fifth-round pick. And you got two years of him regardless of what happens after this season. I mean, good lord, two and a half seasons of Quandre Diggs for a fifth-round pick. Yeah, that's a heck of a trade. But as far as a gold star for one uh, Quandre Diggs, what do we do about K.J. Wright being finally acknowledged by others for having an incredible season. I mean, 67, I think that is a finally an acknowledgement of how good he's been. He was awesome last year. He, 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 that is like a merited spot on the NFL Top 100, which sometimes has some dubious choices that are put into the Top 100. Yes. It's also not like the, Mar- the Seahawks are the only team that are overlooking it, right? Like, he's out there for anybody to sign him, and they haven't met it. It's weird to me. Like, is he the is he the 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 victim of the salary cap shrink? Like, is that is yeah. when you say like, hey, what happened to the salary cap? And it was like, dudes in their thirties did not get paid, and KJ Wright is the foremost example of that. It it doesn't seem to make sense. It doesn't seem to make sense at all. No, we got the two hundred six chiming in. You don't have to explain for Bay Area people because everyone down there knows the E forty reference. What? Yeah, you're right. E forty. Is a very common, like well-known East Bay rapper UB from Vallejo. UB40? Yeah, E40. Oh, you don't know E40? No, I don't. Know. And he would say, yay area. Yes, yes, everyone noticed. And if, if there's one thing that a league that is cracking down on taunting should do, it's references to yay in, in the air. Yay area, Trey area. I, yeah, I, don't know if, I don't know if that's what the NFL is looking for. I don't know if that's what it's looking for. California is so lame. No, it's not. California's so awesome. Lame. No, so no, it's lame. not. Do you see the fight at the Eagles game? Or at the Rams game? Dude, LA's fans are the worst. I don't know if they are or not. You had a the great take thing, on this. LA fans, LA fans brawl a lot. What's weird is that they tend to brawl among themselves. Yep. Like, when you see fights in the stands, you think, oh, like the, the Dodgers are going at it with the Astros fans. There. No, it's usually Dodgers fans going at it with Dodger fans. Yep. In this case, it's a Rams dude in an Aaron Donald jersey going up against a bunch of other Rams fans, including one who's wearing a St. Louis jersey, but might have been Marshall Falk. And and it ends up being like five guys on one wailing, although the guy that got wailed on was the one that ended up precipitating most of it. Yeah, they, California fans just fight each other. Before he got wailed on, though, he impressed me with the fact that he slapped like three guys in a row. He did. He had one back backhand back. that hit like three dudes. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, that was impressive. How about how about <laughs> LA fans though continuously throwing things? I mean, there's some random lady who's not involved in it at all. Who was a little troll there and threw a cup of soda at that guy's head? That dude well, deserved to have thrown that soda at him. him. Yeah, she, like she that was. Escalated. But that's. But when you throw something like that, that is where it stops being hold me back guy. It will always stop being at that point because that is where you're getting somebody like carbonated soda on them or it's a beer. That's where it always goes to heck. And that's twice now that we've seen LA incidents with this. They go after each other, man. It's yeah. intra fan violence. Interesting. All right, we'll move to Chicago where Justin Fields impressed in his first game for the Bears, completing 14 of 20 attempts for 142 yards. He also had 33 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown. But when asked about the pace of the game afterwards, he said it was actually kind of slow to me, to be honest. How do you think he's going to feel about that when he gets into actual NFL games? If you're a rookie quarterback, shut your pie hole if you're going to say something like that. Do not say that. Do not get cocky based on on what's happening in preseason games. I thought he looked good. If I'm Justin Fields, here's my worry. They just signed Justin Peters, right? Like the Bears just signed Justin Peters to play on their offensive line. And both Nagy and Ryan Pace, the general manager, on the hot seat. Both of those guys are most likely to say, hey, let's start Justin Fields because we're probably going to get fired here. The only way we don't get fired is if Justin Fields, the quarterback we just drafted, sets the league on its ear and everybody thinks like, oh my gosh, this is the next. And if by some chance we rush him and we spoil or slow some of his development, we're not going to have to be here to fix any of that either because we're going to get fired. <laughs> it's that, that would be my worry. So Justin Fields... Justin Fields should take the quiet approach here. Don't be saying things like, actually, the game was kind of slow. Because that's, yeah, you don't you don't need to do that. Let's go back four years. Leonard Fournette says the NFL is slower, really easy, compared to the SEC. Do you think that he still feels that way all these years into his career? Yeah. I, I would, I, I, we've seen this comment before. Guys are confident. But it's one thing to be confident when you're playing against a lot of backups. It's another thing entirely when you're actually into the line of fire. All right, guys. Peter King talked to Aaron Rodgers about his offseason for his Football Morning in America column. And Rodgers did a lot of uh, that stuff he was babbling about in the offseason. That, I mean, the people I have to deal with every day, the staff, my teammates, I have a really good relationship, you know, because he kept saying it was all about the people. But he went on and on about how he has good relationships with all of them. And then Peter King writes, so what about the GM? And this is a quote from Aaron Rodgers. The other one, you know, I leave space and optimism for growth and change. But, you know, at this point, my focus is just on the football staff and making sure those conversations and communications are right going into the season. It's so funny. The other one. He can't help himself. He and Bacteria were talking about Clay Matthews this week. Yes, they just posted sign him. This is what happens when you give a mouse a cookie. They're just going to ask for all the old Packers. Donald Driver, Greg Jennings. What's next? James if I was, Jones with his hoodie. If I was, if I was Gutekunst, and I saw Mike Sander wrote this, and it's the perfect response. If I'm Gutekunst, I'm tweeting out, okay, you guys tell me who to cut. Hmm. Okay, you tell me which one of your teammates you want me to fire. Jordan Love. That, that, was, that was hilarious. Like let's just if we're gonna if we're gonna air it out let's just do it all in public like we'll just sit here and throw big old dirt clods at each other. Jordan Love hurt his shoulder too. Packers gonna have to play Aaron Rodgers in the preseason, huh? That would be a big giant middle finger sent by Kuda cuts to Rodgers. Ah, you gotta play in this game, Aaron. 
It's Danny and Gallant that is around the NFL. Our training camp coverage brought to you by Precore Home Fitness. There's a new report about Jamal Adams, and I'm going to spend the next 10 minutes poking holes in it. That's next. You are listening to Danny and Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Now, here are your hosts, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. All right, we got a headline, a couple headlines, actually. First of all, the Seahawks are said to be exasperated. This is the headline from Pro Football Talk. Exasperated Seahawks plan to let Jamal Adams finish rookie deal, tag him twice if need be. That has been followed by a second from the same website, Pro Football Talk, by the same author, Mike Florio. Source, Jamal Adams would challenge safety-based franchise tag. So we've now gone three steps ahead of where we currently are to say that this is a crossroads and a crisis that will go on for three years of uncertainty. I think we all need to take a breath. We'll summarize exactly where it is and go line by line. Which which pro football talk story do you want to go through first, Paul? Hmm. I like the one with exasperated. Exasperated. The very, very, the the very, very sensationalized sounding headline in which the Seattle Seahawks are completely fed up. What's your exasperated noise? <sighs> <sighs> That's it, right? Yeah. Exasperated. <sighs> <sighs> So here it goes. The Seahawks are at the end of their rope in the Jamal Adams negotiations. More than a week after making reportedly a final offer to the fifth-year safety and with no plans to budge, a league source tells PFT that the team is truly done negotiating with Adams. They believe they've made a fair and appropriate offer and that if he doesn't want to accept it, he can play out his option year and get franchise tagged twice for 2022 and 2023. Let's pause right there. Do you see where the sleight of hand is in the journalistic sort of characterization? Because it comes in which they are at a decision point. But the decision is not Jamal Adams can either take this offer or play out his year and accept the franchise tag twice. Like that is not a – this is an accurate description of where they currently stand. The Seahawks have made him the final offer that they're going to. Brady Henderson even just had a quote on uh, a a tweet saying he talked to a veteran agent that said, when the Seahawks reach to this point, they truly are. They mean it, that they're done. Like when they when they say this is our final offer, they mean it's our final offer. I do think the Seahawks have reached that point. They have made Jamal Adams what they consider to be their 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 best offer. Now the the choice is Jamal Adams. He can either accept it and have a huge guaranteed payday. And be signed for the for four years, four years at seventy million dollars, or he can choose that he's not going to sign it. At which point he has two additional decisions: if he doesn't sign, does he choose to show up and play for the ten point eight million dollars that he's scheduled to make this year? Does he choose to miss games? In which case he wouldn't be played for paid for those games, and he'll probably report in the middle of the year. The idea of what happens down the road is exactly that: what happens down the road after that impasse. But the idea that we're going to get to hey, he's going to be franchise tagged for the next two years. That's that's a decision that Seattle can have. Yep, It'll depend on how he plays this year, right? It'll depend on how things go. They're probably not going to let, let him go for free, but but the, all of those things, they, they've, they've fast-forwarded through to it's either a deal now or three years of impasse, and that's not the actual scenario. The franchise tag is interesting to be stuff of Jamal Adams' health last year. I think you probably have some concerns on Seattle's end about – whether or not he's going to be able to, on a regular basis, make a three seventeen game slate as a guy who clearly views himself as a linebacker. Well, you're an undersized linebacker, and you had a torn labrum last year, and you had a hand injury, and you had a groin injury. So 
if you're not going to take this deal, well, maybe it's in our best interest to operate year by year. I don't think that there's anything Adams can do that's going to change the Seahawks' mind. I feel like with Brown, the game of chicken that they're that he's playing with the Seahawks, I still feel like there's a chance that maybe the Seahawks reconsider over time. I know John Schneider said over the weekend that there's 21 guys with contracts expiring, and with 21 guys with contracts expiring, you don't want to, I guess, prioritize any of them. But with Adams, if he were to sit out and the Seahawks' defense were to look like it did in the first half of last year, I wonder if Seattle would change their mind on that one too. Because I feel like Damn. they might. I mean, if, especially if this is a must-win year with Russ, on, Russ under center. Uh, that, that is, those are two separate negotiations. I don't think they're going to move on, on Dwayne Brown either. Mike Garofalo, who covers the league for the NFL Network, uh, he had an update this morning. Here's his information on where things stand with Jamal Adams. I'm told that Kevin Connor and Robert Brown, the agents for Jamal Adams, were spotted on the sidelines in Vegas the other night before the preseason game having conversations with Seahawks upper management as both sides try to come to an agreement here on the finer details because, again, they're close on overall compensation. It's really about the structure of the deal at this point as both sides try to find some common ground to push this thing across the finish line. And I understand that Adams is frustrated right now saying, hey, we really didn't make progress on talks until I got here for training camp, at which point the Seahawks said, we're not only going to make you the highest paid safety, we're going to do it by a wide margin and bump you well above Justin Simmons at the top of the market. And Adam saying, okay, well, let's have some dialogue back and forth. And the Seahawks saying, no, that's our final offer. That's where we push to. Adam saying, well, what about my final offer? As he tries to get that through. And then that's really kind of where things stop from a number standpoint. But keep an eye on this one because the communication is expected to continue. If the communication is expected to continue and things are as close as Garofalo just laid out, then what are we worrying about here? It's all about whether or not Jamal Adams is really going to dig in his heels and decide that he's not going to he, he is not going to sign that extension. If That's this, entirely what it is. If if this were maybe this is arrogant of me, Danny, but if this were still New York, I'd be nervous because it's the Jets. This is a team that's been with a winning record. Longest streak of uh, winning record seasons in the NFL. You know? I mean, you want to win? You're in a place where you're going to win, man. It is Danny and Gallant. Uh, We will be back coming up to Raise Flags. That's coming up next. From the pocket. And flags everywhere. Flag on the play. Now there's a flag down. Every morning at 945 with Danny and Gallant. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen. If the noise persists, the defense will be charged with a timeout. Flag on the play. You can listen to our show tomorrow for your chance to win four tickets to the August 27th Mariners sing-along fireworks night at T-Mobile Park. Mariners are hosting the Royals. You'll have the chance to belt out the lyrics to some of your favorite songs with thousands of fellow Mariner fans. You can find tickets at Mariners.com. And again, we're going to be giving away four tickets to that game tomorrow. Ow! That'll be a good old time. What would be your favorite song to sing along to? Oh, well, I think I've done this before. But you are my fire, the one Desire. I'm gonna do some Backstreet Boys. Come on, come on. More Backstreet's back. All right. Uh, I was in sync all the way. So I'm I sorry. yeah. Now Backstreet till I die. 
All right, Paul, what do you got? What do you got for a flag? All right, I I don't know if I'm raising a flag or throwing a flag at this one. I still can't decide. Greg Papa is on the call for the San Francisco 49ers. Trey Lance had a very nice debut to his NFL career, at least in the preseason. He throws an 80-yard touchdown pass. This call, I, I still don't know what to make of it. If I like it or I don't, you get to judge. They're going to boot the quarterback left. Here he goes, deep downfield. Trent Sherfield's got it. Trey Area. Trey Area. I. It, 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 he says it so quickly, it sounds like it's one word. I almost feel like he's saying something in Italian. Obviously, he is referring to the Bay Area, which after a little bit of time, yeah, it makes a little more sense. And I know I've been getting ripped for my musically challenged ways on the text line since then. Forget that. I ironically like this call. This is like a John uh, uh, Stanton with the New York Yankees. Um, this is exactly the kind of thing that I want to hear. Just a terrible, terrible hokey uh, play-by-play that it ends up being this guy's gimmick going forward with Trey Lance. I can't decide whether I like it because it's an E-40 reference. Not only that, it's an E-40 reference to him saying, yay area, which is... Shorthand for yayo, which is slang for cocaine. Oh, no. Which I find humorous. I'd like to make that clear because I, I bet if the NFL got wind of that, if they're going to crack down on taunting, they're probably not going to have. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably not. Yay area references. I, I love E40. E40 is one of my five favorite uh, rappers ever. The Politician. <laughs> he has a series of albums. He's got his own line of liquor, man. E40's, E-40's a legend. DIY legend. Um, it's corny, though. It's a corny call. I, I kind of like it's it, though. It's corny. I mean, corny is good. We 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 are a corn-friendly show. You know, we may as well yeah. be in Iowa or Nebraska. Yeah, but Trey Area? It's, I don't know. Trey I just doesn't area. have Area! <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you can be an elite quarterback and have something that corny as your hook. Well, I mean, Peyton Manning's the sheriff. Nobody, one guy calls him that. One guy call calls him, him the that. Sheriff. Do 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 legit icon quarterbacks like the legit franchise quarterbacks have nicknames? Aren't they just known by their last name? Like Aaron Rodgers doesn't have a nickname. Joe Montana didn't have a nickname. Like great quarterbacks don't have nicknames. Aaron Rodgers is discount. Uh, double check. No, but nobody really Joe calls Montana's him that. Joe Montana's so cool. Great quarterbacks, great quarterbacks do not have nicknames. Tom Terrific. Tom Brady. No, nobody calls him that. It's Brady. It's Brady. I don't think people call him. freaking Brady. I don't think they call him just by the last name, though, because it's not like we have an international soccer where people are known by one name. It hasn't gotten to that point yet. Big Ben's the only one, and Big Ben is usually used sarcastically, (laughs) right? Like anytime anybody says, like, oh, it's Big Ben, it's usually like Big Weiner Ben. Like Big Ben... Is the only like, eh? If you're a great quarterback, you don't get a nick- nickname. If you need a nickname or a catchphrase. You're probably not doing it right. Keep it going, Mora. What's your judgment on this? This my my hard and fast uh, linguistic. Everyone crackdown. calls Russ Mister Unlimited. It's pretty true. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was good, Paul. <laughs> You've redeemed yourself for not knowing who you forty yeah, I know. God, what if we just referred to it all years? Do you see what Mr. Unlimited did? Oh, it was such a good game for Mr. Unlimited. <laughs> 
Mr. Unlimited was dealing. Mr. Unlimited's grasp of Shane Waldron's offense, <laughs> it's unlimited, that's for sure. No when limits Mr. here. Unlimited, when Mr. Unlimited plays at tempo, he's unstoppable. <laughs> Double Unlimited. Gross. <laughs> Maura, what's your flag? My flag is for Paul. Oh, no. For this. Timing was impeccable if you were to watch both games on one TV. I have a two TV set up in my apartment. Flex. And. Wait, so now we're flexing and then saying flex afterwards? Yes. No. Got to double down. Got to remind people. I live in an ivory tower. I'm a cake eater with my two television set up. Now, they're not good no, TVs, no. either of them, but. I'm not allowing it. No. Flexed. Well, I just dabbed and flexed. Oh, Thoughts. God. Yeah. I've told you about the dabbing before, too. Yeah. It's over. Tell stop. me to stop, and I'm just going to keep doing it. You, If you want to look like an idiot, that's all on Whoa. you. Whoa. <laughs> that's not cool. It's 2021. That's problematic. You can't say you that. Can, you can lead a horse to water, but you cannot stop him from dabbing. <laughs> Is it dabbing? No, it's dabbing. dabbing. Dabbing, yeah. If you dab someone, that's like a fist bump. Dap him up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm throwing a flag on Trevor Bauer. I don't know if anybody knows that over the weekend there was a report in the Washington Post and he had a similar not he had an order of protection taken out against him when he was in Ohio this is from a woman who is very has no connection to the woman who has accused him of assaulting her in California and at at this point i think that there's enough history from Trevor Bauer whether it is the harassment that he's engendered toward women on Twitter by singling out their tweets whether it is the interaction with this woman in Ohio with whom he had a three-year relationship that was characterized as on and off again. And I guess the part of this that disturbed me the most is Bauer released a series of text messages between she and him, which were supposed to make her look crazy. And it's, it's a cringy series of exchanges, but he doesn't come off looking good in it. It's not like he looks like a criminal, but it looks like someone who is kind of emotionally tormenting like and pushing a woman who is clearly like asking him for help and and he's declining to interact with her and then the the situation in california where they've tried his lawyers have tried in in court to characterize this as a situation where she asked for it the woman asked for that sort of treatment the whole thing it seems pretty clear that trevor bauer abuses women like it, yeah. seems, it seems pretty clear that that happens, whether it's the online harassment that he's he's triggered or the actual physical abuse that's alleged in the in the case in California. And the only thing left to decide is, is does it rise to does that abuse rise to the point of a cr- prosecutable crime in the eyes of a prosecutor? And will another baseball team right now he pitches for the Dodgers pay him to throw a baseball again? No, knowing knowing the types of relationships that he's been how he has treated women. Yeah, it's pretty reprehensible. And, you know, that he's still trying to somehow clear his name this way, like this was the way you thought it was going to work. I mean, that to me is, I I think, the most tone-deaf thing of all the many tone-deaf things that Bauer has done. And the receipts come out when you start trying to operate this way. I mean, I imagine there will be more, right? I mean, do you think that this is it? I doubt it. I don't think he's going to pitch in baseball again. That would that would be my guess. And I think that's probably because no team will sign him. We'll see. 
and maybe I'm overrating it because he was a Cy Young Award winner, and we're going to see a team make the mental calculus that it's the criticism that they get for signing him is is worth it because of how well he can play. But I don't think we're going to see him pitch in baseball again. Man, I don't know. If someone traded for Roberto Osuna, you know, and I mean, I I, I think that Aroldis Chapman's still pitching. The also true the. Baseball is, I think, maybe in some cases even more willing than the NFL to overlook some stuff like this. Well, I know that I'm appalled by what's happened. Um, that's going to do it for us. want to thank Brock Heward and John Clayton for joining the show. Our training camp coverage is always brought to you by Precore Home Fitness. We will have those four Mariner tickets to give away tomorrow. More Dooley is the one who keeps us on the rails. And he is Paul Gallant, and yeah, he's don't tell him to get up out of the tray area. He's all the way up in the tray area. <laughs> and he is Danny O'Neill. He likes Mr. Unlimited. He even likes Dangerous. The other nickname that Russ has. You like that one? I, your face your face was horror. It was yeah. like the end of Apocalypse Now. The horror. The horror. He is Danny O'Neill. Uh we'll be back at it tomorrow. And uh, up next. Did the series that the Mariners just won against the Toronto Blue Jays in any way, shape, or form change your mindset on whether or not they can make the playoffs? We'll talk about that next on the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle.